Hello everyone, welcome along to a special edition of the Luton Town Sports Trust podcast in the fact that it's for the Championship Playoff Final. Obviously Sunderland were put to the sword and the town will go to Wembley on Saturday to take on Coventry City in, not my words, someone else's who's much more important than me, the biggest match of Luton Town's history on Saturday. Coming up, we will preview the final. I've caught up with Joe Davis, uh, former Luton player, who was there when it all began, this rise all began for a chat. Um, We've got audio from the media day that took place on Tuesday, and I'm not going to let the boys disappear without a prediction for the big game (laughs) on Saturday. Those boys, incidentally, are the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe, Trust Chairman Tony Murray, and Town fan Dan Barrett-Davis. As always, gents, it's stupid of me to ask if you're well, but uh, hope the week isn't dragging too much for you. It is. It very much is, very much is. It's, it is. It's, it's simultaneously dragging and going far too quickly to do all the stuff I need to. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I completely uh, echo that. My phone since Monday for media requests has been going absolutely bonkers, as you yourself in person saw yesterday, um, James. But uh, Mick, said his, Mick said the days are going quickly and my, my jaw nearly hit the floor. I'm like, I wouldn't be on Mick's days because mine are going so bloody slowly, even allowing for all the media requests that I've got. It's just terrible. But, um, <laughs> You're going to be everywhere, aren't you? And every national newspaper and every international if, news if station. If you don't see me this week, someone's failed somewhere along the line. It, it absolutely <laughs> is. Uh, Some of them absolutely... dragged, you, dragged you down to the Oak Road and to stand yeah. outside of that, even though you never go in there, do you? I've been down to the Oak Road, I've been in front of the flag, I've been in my seat, I've been here, there and everywhere, apart from where I should be, which is work, but we <laughs> won't tell anyone uh, any more on that. Before we get cracking, uh, <laughs> thanks to everyone who gave us uh, the feedback from the um, presentation evening podcast. Once again, just like last year, it seems like everyone enjoys us catching up with the players at the presentation evening. Congratulations, huge congratulations actually to Tom Lockyer for running off with five trophies shared one of them, uh, to Carlton Morris as well, to Alfie Doughty, Jordan Clark and Joe Johnson, who picked up their awards. And of course, the great Mick Harford, who received our own Kevin Catlin Memorial Trophy. All well-deserved winners, and we'll cover all of those. In this and Fred. Sorry, and, and Fred. Fred. Yeah. Yes, and Fred. you are absolutely right about that. Don't know how I forgot that one. Fred as well, who picked up an equally special trophy, um, and those who were there on the night really did sort of um, give him the ovation that he deserved. So, yeah, absolutely right, James. Well done on that one. OK, so, James, um, I think there's a football match going on on Saturday. Uh, I don't know if you've heard anything about it. A fair few um, going by all accounts. And, um, well, what's your thoughts? I'm with Rob Edwards, a Sony fan I can think about, to be honest. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I, I wake up thinking about it and um, I'm, I'm pretty vacant when other people are speaking to me about anything else um, so it's a normal week then basically yeah, yeah exactly yeah but yeah but times 10 times 10 and then you're not even close because uh, you know it's I, I do that when it's just hull away but this is the this is the big one this is um you know, I, I know there's there's a debate, and the old guard will say um, uh, they'll put their case forward for 1988. Little but yeah, um, I think even I mean Tony would be able to tell us because he was there. But um, I think even if you were, this is the biggest game in Loon's history ever, and you know just because of what's riding on it, um, you know 
to get back into the Premier League. So sporting glory, yes. The the combination of a renaissance story inside a decade, never done before, history makers, yes. But the finance of it, you know, it puts Luton in the black for many years to come, pays for power court, turbocharges Luton Town, the town's regeneration. It, it's, you know, Gary Sweet was talking about though there's been no particular studies done, there was an impact assessment done on how much it's uh, been worth to Brighton getting in the Premier League and having a new stadium. And it was like £500 million. Was it a year? I think maybe he said £500 million a year. That's staggering for a town like ours. And, um, you know, it's an an absolute game changer. Um, And uh, it has to be the you know, the, the pinnacle of, of where Luton are. And I take, I, I fully accept that people will say 1988 was, was a major trophy uh, or the opportunity in 59, obviously, to get the effort, to win the FA Cup was a major one. But in the modern world, in this so-called richest game in world football uh, and everything that comes with it, it's it's massive. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite right. There's anything I can think about. Yeah, I mean, if one of the men involved in 1988 thinks Saturday's the biggest game in Luton's history, who is anyone to uh, to argue? We've got that quote from Mick, actually, uh, which we'll play when we finish discussing this final. And, um, you know, as I say, if, if Mick thinks that, he'll certainly know because he's been here for a lot. But I think you're right, James, and we kind of covered this. You gave me a lift back into town from the media day yesterday, didn't you? It's... It's about the town, this one, you know, what what will happen to Luton if Luton win on Saturday? Yes, as a football club, there'll be benefits, but the football club will still be fine. It will still be sustainable. It will still go forward. It will be in the championship should we lose. However, the town will just stay the same if we're in the championship, whereas the world's media come and grace Luton every other week if we're in the Premier League. The economic impact, the financial effects that it has, the fact that Power Court, as Gary said, will be not not necessarily completed by the money, but it will certainly pick up the speed with regards to everything happening down at Power Court. And not necessarily the stadium, but certainly the surrounding areas. So the town itself, the facelift that the town's going to get from Power Court will certainly uh, come along maybe quicker than what it might do now. You know, it's, that is why, for me, it is the biggest game in our history, and I mean, Tony, we've obviously you're, you're a Lutonian yourself, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's massive for the town. It is, it is. We, we, we you know, we, we've said that. I mean, even just for the feel good factor alone, um, it, it is immense. And it's, yeah, having been at Wembley in 1988 and then again in 1989. Um, two massive games for the for the club, uh, and winning the trophy, and and, and saying you know we, we've won a major trophy, which is one more than a certain club down the road has. Um, that was fantastic, but the game has changed so much since 1988. Um, and yeah, I'd go along with this. I think you know for the outcome, for the ramifications, what it means to the town. This is the biggest club, uh, biggest game in the club's history. Um, you know, it means that Luton have completed that journey, full total redemption, uh, you know, for uh, that we paid the price for other people's wrongdoing. It's been a long time coming. Um, 
and what it will mean going forward it, it's just absolutely immense you know i don't think you know all four of us would think you know nine years ago if somebody said that in season 22-23 we're going to be in the championship playoff final you've gone you know what are you smoking you're having a laugh <laughs> you know, stop taking a piss you know yeah. but it, 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 it it's just absolutely brilliant and even if we don't do it it's still a fantastic achievement a fantastic um, outcome from the town it means as you said just said Kev we're going forward we'll move on we're, we're, we'll progress um, and it, it's just something wonderful to be involved in and, and what a story it is as well yeah, I mean, James's friends in the media are going to get a story either way, to be fair, because Luton and Coventry, yeah. they're both a great story. And obviously, we've already been the victims of one of these when we lost to Wimbledon in the playoff final 12 years ago. So hopefully someone up above thinks it's our time on Saturday. It deserves to be. Uh, Dan, it's not just the Luton story, though, that Luton could be playing for on um, Saturday. It's a football story, because in a world mm. where the Premier League champions have just been dished out their winners' medals. And fair enough with Manchester City, their players on the pitch, absolutely superb. By a fella who's um, dubbed them in for 115 FFP um, glitches. And ownership of countries are coming along here, there and everywhere. Luton on Saturday Mm. can show everyone who are gambling the world with their football club that you don't have to do it that way to be successful. And it will show all the smaller clubs who are doing things the right way that, hey, you can still make it to the promised land just follow our lead. Exactly. And that's why 2020 are the best owners of ever. There you go. Um, the, you know, the, the, I speak, obviously, uh, having not lived in Luton for over 20 years, I, I speak very passionately about them when people ask me around here um, <clears throat> about the football club and how it's run and what the guys are doing behind the scenes and the journey we've been on. I mean, fr- from the outside looking in, it's easy to see the rise that we've had. But if, if you actually look at everything they've done, the foundations they've put in, the, the training grounds there, the new stadiums on its way, you know, and lo- like we were just saying, you know, the year-on-year rise that we've had. Um, and they had to really start from the bottom. They really had to pick the club up and sort of shake it down and re- reset it sort of thing, you know, like rebuild the whole club entirely because it, it, it was rotten it was broken completely broken when they came in and um, it's, it's took a lot of time but I would I wouldn't swap 15 years turnaround for that for anything especially as we're going into Saturday which is the biggest game in the club's history certainly in my 31 years following Luton um, but you you have to take your hat off. Win or lose Saturday, you know, you've got to take your hat off to Gary Sweet and the guys. They've they've just been absolutely fantastic from day one. Um, what more could you ask for from a board to have a well-run football club? You know, and I speak to a lot of supporters of other clubs and when when you explain how, how the club's running, you know, how, how things are running, you know, and like Luton don't owe anything to anybody um, and how the, the club goes about its business, most people are jealous. They're insanely jealous at how well we've we've how good we've had it in in those in those rights. You know, I I don't I, I speak to a whole fan who I've known since I was a kid, and when I first met, him, they were bottom of the football league, and I think most of their players had part time jobs as well. And obviously not, but um, 
the money wasn't there. They've had the, they've had the money. They've gone through the leagues. They've had a couple of spells in the Premier League. But he he hates the fact that players have been earning sixty grand a week and couldn't give a shit. You know, and they've got the owner that wanted to change the name to Hull Tigers, and you know, and that sort of thing going on. The same with Cardiff, you know, and we will never have that because of obviously the the, the impact that the trust has now on running the club um, with those sort of decisions that get made. Um, the trust can say to any Tom, Dick or Harry coming from wherever, you're not changing that because we say so. You can throw as much money as you like. We're not changing that. And again, that's down to 2020 handing that control over. And yeah, they are simply the best owners in football, bar none. Well, they, yeah, absolutely they are. Yeah, should endorse that. What I like do you know, about... Do you know something that, just to go on Dan's point, there's something that's almost got kind of buried um, because of all the excitement that's happened. But um, Gary Stewart was actually named Chief Executive of the Year at the Football mm. Business Awards he was. Earlier, mm. in the, earlier in the week. And it probably hasn't got the recognition it deserves, but it's voted for by, obviously, Chief Executives of other football clubs and other football organisations and so on like that. So it's his peers. And when, they, when the judges gave it to him, they said to him that he's overseen the recovery of the football club from the conference to the top of the championship without risking the long-term future by overspending. Exactly what Dan just said there. But to have that um, sort of rubber stamped in in an award for, for doing that and, and acting in that way, it's not just the football stuff as well because they credited, you know, the attitude towards the promotion um, or not promotion of gambling um, payments and, and sponsorships and stuff like that. You know, the first club in the country to offer the living wage for staffs um, and, you know, community initiatives and stuff like that. It's it's really worth, you know, repeating what how incredible that is because there are so many unscrupulous people and owners in the world of football and they're going into the shark tank if they win the, uh, the, the, win the game on Saturday. They're all there. We're not talking just owners of football clubs. We're talking, you know, oil-rich golf states who see no problem with, you know, hacking journalists to bits in their own embassies and stuff like that and you know bombing carpet bombing neighboring countries you know stuff like that it's it's mm. it's horrific what's what's allowed in some football clubs you know the manchester city with 115 cases to answer of financial fair play misdealings you know the, all of them they are alleged at the moment but if if they had done none of them surely you just come out and disprove them straight away looks yeah. like they're going to try and tie it up in lawyers and that's where that's where Luton will be operating but they're also still operating in you know a lesser form of that in the championship where you know Reading are paying wages you know two quid to every one pound quid they earn or whatever it was that came out recently and Luton aren't doing that and they haven't done that for a very long time and Sweet's one that that award in League One and League Two as well from the Football Business Award. So it's not a fluke. Um, mm. But I just thought it's worth mm. worth mentioning because that that really shows uh, that everybody in the football world is looking at Luton and going, that's the, I think they even said that's the exemplar. They are the exemplar club for doing what they're doing. Um, and so I think that's something to be proud of. What is it's incredible the is the Premier League now. 
<laughs> what is incredible mm-hmm. is that it's the first time he's won it. We've been in the bloody division for four years. What the hell have we been voting for for the other three years? It's, yeah. uh, it just makes uh, you wonder. I'm glad you were. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you bigged up Gary Sweet. Anyway, James, after he's promised you a swanky new media centre and everything across the across the <laughs> way where the, where the old Bobber stand used to be. If we if we win on Saturday, it's only right that you big him up so that you get your entry in there, your prime seat and uh, <laughs> prime spot in there for Premier League football. Hey, that none of that was paid for by Gary Sweet, but you know, um, I do think that when he speaks, people listen. And when he first, when he did the media day yesterday, and went in front of us lot and the journalists, and one of the national journalists asked him the first question. Um, his answer was nothing to do with what the question was. He said, "Right, first of all, it's about the town," and he reeled off like a minute's worth of why it's so important. It's what we've spoken about on this podcast already, but I just mm. thought when the chief executive of your football club says that about your town, town that you love, you just think, yeah, you and me are thinking the same thing here and, and that's bang on. Yeah, absolutely right. I was sat there agreeing with pretty much every word that he said, actually. And uh, yeah, it was, it was it was a heck of a press conference. Um, I'll stick with you, actually, James, because you was at media day. What I love about the fact about this club is it's not forgotten who served it well. And to have John still there yesterday was just a lovely touch, a right touch. And then we were both in the room when they surprised him with Pelly coming in and doing his press conference, literally just as John still finished. And there was a magical moment between the two that you don't get at press conferences very often. And it was just, it was just nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, still he was doing his press conference and doing John Steele things and saying wonderful things about everybody. And, um, you know, he's a proper football man who says, speaks from the heart and everybody obviously, uh, you know, loves him for that and loves him for what they did at Luton. It's not very often you'd be on the precipice of the Premier League in the biggest game in the club's history and they invite back a manager who hasn't been at the club for 10 years. But that's uh, that's John Steele. Um, you don't get these stories anywhere, really, because... You know, Pelly is the other story in this. If if it happens, he'll make that history of being, hopefully being the first player to ever play in five divisions for one club. And John Steele was the man that signed him and signed him as a defender, but saw enough of him on loan to want to buy him from West Ham. And, uh, and, and Pelly has grown year on year to become what he is, which is a Luton legend. So to see two of them, bona fide Luton legends, in the same room, just like... Having a little, uh, little cuddling and a little word with each other um, says a lot about this club as well. There's, you're going to hear this a lot from a lot of people, and you're going to read a lot and, and watch a lot on telly. And I think you should read it all and soak it all in, even if you've heard it all before, because um, you know within Luton and within Luton Town we know these things, but then there are the rest of the world are just catching on to it, and they're sort of looking on in amazement at everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And and that's just one extra thing that is, uh, you know, a, a subplot to this, one of the most wonderful stories in football history. And it is the rest of the world as well. I did an interview for CNN yesterday at the Media Day. I mean, that's an American news company. So, um, you know, that kind of shows the sort of stretch that this game's had. Um, Tony, we know all about the story and that James has just highlighted sort of the last, the, the second part of the story, really. But I think it's fitting to point out now that Saturday, when that game goes ahead, will be 20 years to the day 
that Luton fans protested against Lee Power and Roger Terrell and John Gurney uh, outside the Kenilworth Road reception. A week later, the trust was formed. And obviously, uh, 10 days after that, uh, Ian Pearce gave that magical speech alongside yourself inside the main stand at Kenilworth Road. And it's been a long 20 years, but, you know, the trust formed and, uh, you know, the journey that both the club and the trust have been on is... It's just a magical one, really. And here we are today on the doorstep of uh, completing it in total. Yeah, I mean, even if we do it on Saturday, there's still a lot of work to be done, especially with Power Court coming up. And, you know, we've got to start looking at things like uh, ground protection, things like that. But, um, yeah, you know, because you were right in on the start of the trust, like I was, Kev, as well. And a lot of good people have been involved with uh, the Supporters Trust over the years. And um, we have come a long way. I mean, at, at, at one time, you know, we, we weren't sure that we were going to have a football club. You know, and a lot of people put them themselves on the line to fight and, and make sure that the club survived. Um, you know, and... Uh, it just shows you how far Gary has come as well, because he was right there. He was very instrumental in getting John Gurney out of the club. Um, but as, as an organisation, the trust, we're, we're only as strong and as good as, as our members. So um, we need people to, you know, join us, you know, become members of the trust. It's, you know, it, it's £10 a year. You know, that's less than a pound a month. You know, and for that, it strengthens our position, gives us more clout with 2020, as it were. Not that, you know, they um, they disregard us or anything like that, because they do talk to us on a regular basis and we're fully made aware of, of what's happening at the club. Um, but it, it has been a long, long, long fight more than just one battle on in, in that 20 years, you know, the, the fight against J10, uh, three bouts of uh, administration. And um, to get where we are, th- th- those people that have been involved should be really proud of what we've done. Um, I've served on the trust, you know, uh, as chair. It's been my privilege and honour to do that. Um you know, I'm in my second term now as chair, and uh, I've been chair for, for in the second term for a few years now. Um, but I'm, I feel so honoured and privileged to have worked alongside some tremendous people. You know, and our and our current board, they all worked so hard. You know, um, every year. and when you think about it, none of us are, are are paid for what we do. It's all on a voluntary basis. And everything we do is for the love of the club and, and you know, for the benefit of supporters. So, um, you know, please, people, join us. You know, um, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. You know, we, we're lucky with the owners we've got, but 2020 aren't always going to be there. And we need to have things in place and contingencies for when the day comes when they, they, they're not there, you know. One yep. question I've got for you, Kev. As you were on CNN yesterday, did you wear your MAGA hat? No, I didn't. And and I told the bloke, if you start waffling about soccer, we're done. 
Football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, football, I know. football only. So his first response was to ask me a question about the Coventry. I thought, for fuck's sake, come on, man, help me yeah. out a little oh. bit. But um, well, well, it was well researched, was he? Yeah, no, well, exactly that. Yeah, I said to him, "You start talking about soccer, I'm off ski." So um, no, to be fair, he didn't quote that. But yeah, I think there's something poetic about the fact that 20 years to the day that our very existence as a football club was in danger that our future could be secured for an awful long time. And uh, let's hope that is the case. So let's bring it on to modern day then, Dan, and the football match itself. Mm. You're probably the best one to ask, given that you live in the area. Uh, Are Coventry, Giocares and Hamer and nothing else? Um, Pretty much, although I will say that their their defence is quite solid, albeit borrowed from Premier League under-21 sides and just moulded together. And in fairness to them, they are pretty solid at the back. The goalkeeper's pretty good as well. I think he's got the most Which clean one? sheets. The one that actually stands between the sticks or the fellow who wears the number five who thought he was between the sticks at our place? <laughs> um, imagine, yeah. he's, he's, he's the next That's franchise a... player as well, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he is, yeah. We're, um, yeah. Um, no, but, but Ben Wilson's the keeper, number 13. He's, unfortunately, it's not the other one who's... Um, that, do you remember more who we had on loan? Do I remember yeah. more? We're talking about yeah. a playoff campaign. Do I remember more? It's it's yeah, a, it's his brother. It's his brother they've got as their backup keeper. Unfortunately, he's not playing, and he's as bad as the one we had. So, uh, unfortunately, he's not playing. But I expect it to be Wilson, unless unless somebody finds. If I, if I can find out where he lives, I might break his fingers or something before the day. Um, <laughs> but nobody wants to give me an address around here, which is very disappointing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, I mean. Like I say, the defence is solid. Hamer, if you give him space, same with Giocca, as you give them both space, you know, those guys will punish you because they are they are quality players. Um, they've got a good record at Wembley as well. They, they keep saying they haven't lost at Wembley. They bloody well have because my dad went, the year they won the FA Cup, they played a charity shield match um, and lost to whoever it was won the league that year. I can't remember. Um what I will say is that the first eleven is pretty good and as good as any, and, and they are there on merit. They they had a late push into the season because if you remember, they couldn't start, they couldn't play home games at the start because they didn't have anywhere to play them, um, which is a whole new podcast on its own. Um, so the, the first eleven has pretty much carried them through, with the with the exception of a few loan loan players that's come through. But beyond beyond their first eleven, they've got no depth whatsoever, and I think that's where. You know, we, we were saying earlier we've only really got Corley Woodrow missing. That plays into our hands massively. Um, both think as anybody who was at either either game or both games, like, like I was, you know, the, you'll know they're a tough opponent. And they they play a similar style to us. Um, they're fairly physical, but we all know what Luton could do. If you know, if, if the thirty six thousand Luton fans really get behind them. You know, they, their fans are passionate as well. I mean, they're the only fans I know that five nil down and still seem like they're winning. Um, I'll give them credit there, but that's 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 enough credit for them. Um, but you know, anything can happen on the day. It really is anybody else's game. But please, Luton, <laughs> for the sake of my sanity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's been a scramble for tickets in both ends, but hopefully, the fellow yeah. with the drum in the Coventry end hasn't got a ticket because I'm sure a buggery <laughs> after a few jars at a quarter, for, quarter to five kickoff, not going to be sat there listening to a poxy drum on at that stadium. On that, aren't drums classed as offensive weapons anyway on account of people's ears? 
they should be offensive weapons yeah. absolutely they're offensive. they're offensive to the game of association football I know that much that's <laughs> for, uh, not uh, soccer sure James we've obviously met Coventry twice this season 2-2 uh, at our place when Nathan Jones lost all control of his marbles and decided Tom Lockie's best place that night was on the bench quite why anyone would think that is beyond me but he did and uh, the second game, their game, uh, their place, sorry, 1-1 draw, which was Marvellous's first start for Luton. So can you draw anything from either of them games? From the first one, I think, definitely, because the back line was not the back line that the Gyokoris is going to face this time. And he ran rings around Sonny Bradley and Dan Potts. He even gave Potts about a 10-yard 10 10 yard head start and, and got past mm. him. But I don't think he does that against Amari or... Um, Gay boss show, so I think it's a different beast there. It was, a, it was an absolutely bonkers game that one in Luton. Um, if memory serves, it was James Bree right centre back and Fred Onyedima at right wing back that day as well. So there's a case to be made that Amari Bell is the only member of the back five that evening who's going to play on Saturday. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd think so. It was just one of those crazy ones. I mean. Um, you know, the neutral won a great game on Saturday. I mean, as I do, as long as it's the right result. But um, I think there's two teams there who are in the top two for clean sheets in the uh, in the league. Coventry just shaded; they've got 22. And Luton are with Burnley, both on 21 clean sheets. Um, they've both got top forwards in their team. And they both keep it quite tight. So it might be a bit of a a cagey one or a low scoring one. But, um, uh, you know, I think that, that it won't be like that home game, which is good news <laughs> because we've been pulling our hair out if that happens at Wembley. Yeah, the well, one, yeah, the, the away one's probably a bit more like it, you know, with Marvin there as well. Um it, with these games in the final, it's a big decision or a piece of magic which tends to to win it. Now, the last time we were at Wembley, we, they got the big decision wrong. Uh, you know, against York, fucking miles offside. Um, Still coming back now. Yeah, it was exactly. so far offside. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it was unbelievable. There's going to be v- VAR at this one, so that won't happen again. Um, so then, you know, so the, that kind of takes the big decisions out of it. Um, and then it's up to a piece of magic, and who can who can do that? So um, let's hope there's uh, lots of magic in the boots of Luton players. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, that York one still rankles with everyone, doesn't it? Um, he couldn't have been any more offside if he tried. I mean, he was so far offside. Even in this day of keeping the flag down, any linesman worth his salt would have put his flag up because he was so far offside. But Ho. Uh, Tony Luton haven't lost to Coventry in nine games now. There's a five oh, nil win in there last season. Sorry, no. well, yeah, last yeah. season as well. So um, is history going to repeat itself? Ten unbeaten, which would obviously mean a win at Wembley. Well, fingers crossed, Kev. I hope so. I can't see any reason why um, we we shouldn't add on to that run. It's um, We've got to do it. We've got to do it. Simple as that. Luton have got to turn up. They've got to. They've got to play. And uh, you know, you never know. You never know what might happen. You know, Coffin Tree themselves could have an off day. You know, it, 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 
it's a game of football. Um, you know, both sides are good sides. They're there on merit. Um, I think over 46 games, we've proved who's got the better team, but it's whether we perform on the day. But, um, you know, I, I can see it being a very, very tight game. Very, very tight. I don't think there'll be a lot of goals in it. And Pelly Rudder compares you to score the winner. Oh, that's fairy tale stuff, isn't it? That's a yeah. shout. That's a shout. Don't, wa- don't worry about Brad Pitt playing Mick in the in the film. He's going to be queuing up to be playing Pelly in the film. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, Elba. Well, yeah, it'd have to be. Yeah, yeah probably him. Yeah, Morgan Freeman, someone like that. It'd be, yeah. It was not. I think Morgan Freeman's a bit too old to play Pelly now. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. He probably could play Pelly telling I, I the story. Character-wise, it's it's probably like there's be somebody like Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be. Uh, love Pelly. That would be brilliant. Uh, um, I think everybody I does. I will ask all three of you this question because it mm. is perfectly relevant. He, and I'll start with James. The part Rob Edwards plays in this on Saturday, James, you sat and listened to him yesterday. I thought he gave a really good press conference. There was plenty of ifs, not whens. Lots of ifs. He knows the size of the task. He's not disrespecting Coventry in any way, shape or form. But at the same time, he's not picking them up. He knows exactly what he's got in his own dressing room and things like that. The role he's going to play on Saturday. I mean, what he's done at this club is amazing. Um, I know that, you know, I've got a lot of time for Nathan and not a lot of time for people that um, have a go at him. He was right to have a go at him the first time around when he left, but yeah. he came back, he made amends, he was fine, he did a great job. Yeah. But when he left, Luma were in 10th. So there was a hope of the playoffs, but not necessarily a firm belief. We, you know, But then Rob Edwards comes in and bar that first game in Middlesbrough where it was really unlucky to lose it because Osho was off this school in the last minute. The runs that they've been on have just been incredible. And to seal third place with three games to go, um, and that was mathematically, we almost thought that, we almost knew they were in the playoffs a few games before that, so to do that is, is phenomenal. So, um, you know, he's got he's got largely the same squad that Nathan had. He's had Trame and Marvellous Nakamba to that, but he's kicked it on. There's no doubt about it. They, I think everybody's in agreement that they play a nice brand of football, even if um, the outside Outsiders still say Luton are a bit direct and only label them as direct, which I think is not true. Um, but they play to their strengths, and that's what he's done. Uh, he's very and he's very humble as well. He came in and said, um, "It'd be it'd be mis- it'd be easy to misinterpret this in print." I think I think, but he said his role since coming in, he says, has been easy because he inherited a good squad. He inherited a great club and a great bunch of people and he's just been able to just lead them and do what they do do what they were doing before and just little little tweaks here and there made the difference um so you know in that in that respect he, he says all the right things i think there's no sort of grandstanding it's a completely different character from from nathan jones um and he uh what, yeah, what was it he said uh towards the end of it that he oh he, he takes no credit he, he takes no credit, which is like the ultimate uh, 
bit of humbleness there from him, but I, I give him a lot of credit for it. Um, and you know, he's he's a winning, he's got a winning mentality. They've made a habit of signing players with that. They've got the promotions uh, experience of that throughout the leagues to get to where they are. They've signed a, a manager there that um, won promotion with Forest Green Rovers. Admitted in the media day yesterday, probably made a misstep going to to Watford, but he knew what that entailed. That's just a blip, really. He's he's he's, he's back in the winning vein. He's he's a top class coach, I think. And the one thing he did want to make stress is also that it's him and Richie Kyle and Paul Trollope as well that have come in and made a difference. I think all the players keep mentioning them as well about what they've done. So whatever it is, is is top draw. But they, Kyle and um, Edwards were at the FA together. And so he's, he's a top quality coach with a fantastic calibre and it's no fluke where he is, I don't think. No, it's definitely no fluke and he might not want to take any credit, but he gets absolute full credit from uh, from me. That's that is for but, sure. And everyone else as well. He's got a and everyone else. There. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, uh, Tony. I guess that was in a way was a sign of the man that it's not about him; it's about others. Uh, and there's other examples of it. Uh, obviously, there's crowdfunding going on for the ticket office staff right now, so that they get their day out at Wembley paid for, which is absolutely right for the incredible work they've done over the last week. Don't forget. These guys have still got self-season tickets for next season in the coming days as well. So they fully deserve uh, all the backing mm. that they're going to get. And one bloke shoved a monkey of his own dosh into the um, into the pot. And lo and behold, that was Rob Edwards. There's a video on social media of Rob in the ticket office yesterday, uh, speaking to all of the ticket office staff and thanking them for all their work. And then he's gone and uh, shoved his own money where his mouth is. Oh, God, yeah. You've got a safe mm. fair play to the guy. Top man. Top man. Um, but I think he also realises that, you know, he, he's, he's come into our club and it, it's not often that a, a, a manager comes into a situation like that where, where you've got a team that's on the up and, you know, he, he's walked in. He, it, it, the appointment timing was, was lucky and the fact that we had the four-week break because of the World Cup, so he got a chance to get to know his players, they got to know him. And and, and, and fair play to the guy, he's, he's a... He's a decent bloke, um, nice guy. I don't think I've ever heard anybody at the club or anything say a, a, a bad word uh, regarding Rob Edwards or, you know, uh, his two assistants. So fair play to them. And I, I, I think well done to the ticket office. They've, they've done a brilliant job in what must be taxing situations. But... It, it's not just the ticket office; it's everybody else, the media in the in the club and everything, and the retail staff as well. You know, they've had to go in and 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 do uh, overtime and get you know things ready uh, because I know they're in a situation that um, they had to have things ready to go if we, um, well, when we got past the semi final, but also. If we hadn't got to the, you know, got through the semi-final, the chances are they could have paid out for stuff to be ready to print and things like that. That could have been wasted. So I know that they're working hard, and also they're going to be um, having late hours over the next couple of days to make sure that supporters get what they want for the um, 
the playoff final as, as well. So um, it's a big up to everybody at the club. Yep, here, here on that one, absolutely. Uh, and notice that the pot's nearing £3,000 for the ticket office, so if you can't get a reply from them next week, it's obviously they've spent it all on their nursing their hangovers. And good luck to them for that. They fully deserve it because, yeah, selling 37,000 tickets in less than a week, I can only imagine the size of that task, let, let alone replying to all of the many, many correspondences that have come their way and book coach travel down there. And as I say, at some point, there's plans for season tickets that are going to have to go out as well. So, yeah, huge kudos to ticket office staff uh, in incredible uh, circumstances, really. Not to mention as well, actually, two playoff semifinals that they have still as well. So, yeah, they've done fantastic. Um, Dan, with Rob on the sideline, there's a calming call influence there. Is that the difference Mm. between this and potentially previous playoff campaigns? Quite possibly, yeah, quite possibly, and being calm and collective, and not necessarily like darting up and down your technical area doesn't mean you're any less passionate. It's all about different approaches. I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson won had twenty seven successful years at Manchester United chewing the same bit of chewing gum and just sitting there. So, you know, ironically different... though, we wouldn't have had any of them, but for Saturday's. Opponent in the dugout, Mark Robbins. If he hadn't scored in a cup tie, old Fergie was long gone. And uh, well, it'd be interesting to see how Alex Ferguson get on in the playoffs because his son absolutely stunk the gaff out at Hillsborough last week, didn't he? Um, thankfully, <laughs> right, thankfully, we well. thankfully, we ain't got none of that that nonsense. But yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, but that's 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 it, though. I mean, some managers. I mean, you, you'll you'll find Mark Robbins and Rob Edwards are very similar, and they're, they're very respectful of their opposition in general. Um, as well as being very honest and Robbins has been at Coventry for a while now. So he's, he sort of knows what he's doing. He's, he's very calm in his approach and same with Rob Edwards. I mean, I've, I've met Rob and he's, he's one of the most human people, you know, down well, the He's a human guys. person. You're absolutely right. What <laughs> you know what I mean? You're stop taking a piss. <laughs> I wish I could say I this thing for you, Your Kev, social you. media was full of a certain <laughs> photograph of you and there. Uh, Certain handsome individual after the presentation evening, it didn't go unnoticed. Uh, I don't. I don't remember posing for that. <laughs> That's because you'd had too many drinks, mate. You'd had too many. Drinks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now this, obviously, yeah. I mean, he, the, the, and that approach is just. You know, that's what you need because there's going to be the players are going to be a whole bag of nerves. I, I don't know about you guys. I'm the closer it gets, the more nervous I'm getting. And I was nervous every time I've been at Wembley to watch Luton, N- nervously excited. You know, I'm normally a confident guy going into these games, as I said earlier, but I'm a bag of nerves. And I mean, I know as footballers, you have to have a certain level of professionalism about you, but you're still human beings and you've still got to go out and play in front of 80,000, 90,000 people. And on what is Luton Town's biggest day in its history. And that alone is like sort of daunting in itself, isn't it? Um, it is. You know, it is, yeah. But, but and that, and that's why you need a leader to sort of sort of say, look, guys, just go out there and do your... I'd imagine it would sound something a bit like, just go out, do your best, make, take the, make the fans happy, make the fans proud as you already have done this year. And we're just one game, let's go. Off you go. It's be something like that, I reckon. Yep. I don't know, but yeah, no, I agree. That's important. That should be it. Yeah, and um, yeah, Rob, absolutely brilliant. You're right. You could be the stick to the game plan. 
I love the way he shuts down journalists as well when they start asking questions that he doesn't like. He obviously shut down Jeff Doyle after the semi-final of the uh, uh, the away semi-final when he started going on about all the battles that we lost. That soon got yeah. shut down. And then he shut someone else down yesterday, didn't he, James, uh, regarding our playoff record and uh, how bad it is. So he's not taking any falls in the lead-up to this game. So uh, He does that. very well with a smile on his face to answer people that seem a bit bemused and incredulous as to how Loon could possibly be in this situation and how they could possibly mm. be so good. It's almost a bit, you know, condescending in the way they ask that sort of stuff. And it, but it, it it's yeah. simply because they're very good. And that's it. it, it some they always see it thinking it's like it's going to be some sort of magical potion or some sort of, I don't know, good bit of juju that's happened. It's just not. It's, it's one club that works as a whole, works very hard. Mm. So it is it's simple. Yeah, we just stick a bunch of players in a bunch of cryotherapy chambers and they come out as uh, absolute superstars. And um, yeah, good. Um, uh, let's pause for a minute because earlier in the week, I caught up with Joe Davis, who actually penned a, uh, an article on his own personal Medium blog uh, because he was very much there right at the start of the um, of the journey. And it was a good article. I retweeted it on the social media pages of the Supporters Trust. But if you haven't read it, uh, here are his thoughts on everything in his own words. Joe, thanks very much for giving up some of your time um, this morning. Well done on the article. I've already referenced it earlier in the podcast. Uh, really, really enjoyable and got a great feedback from it. Yeah, thanks, Kev. It's my, my pleasure to be here. Um, and yeah, the article was something that... Like I was mentioning just off air, then was, was you know something that I I've always had really good memories of the football club, and uh, it was just my way of trying to put some of those thoughts onto paper. Uh, and I'm really glad that it went down really well, you know, and uh, kind of brought the, it looked like it brought a lot of the fans back to that season as well, which I guess was always nice for them. Yeah, it's a season that we remember very fondly. Uh, I mean, it was just a great season, and obviously it started the rise to where we are today, which I'll come on to shortly. But um, the day that you joined, I mean, obviously you joined on loan from Port Vale, didn't you? And uh, John Still, obviously the manager, you joined on the same day as Alfie Mawson and Pelly Rudder-Kampanzu. I'm going to come on to the latter very much yeah. uh, during the course of this chat. But when John got you to Luton and you first sort of went to Ely Way in the training ground and things, what were your immediate impressions? Yeah, it was it was strange because it all happened like so fast because um, I was training with Port Vale that morning and um, got called in straight after training by Mickey Adams, who's the manager. And it was just a case of, right, you know, get a bag together. You're going on loan to Luton. You know, I think you need some games. I was all for it at the time because I wasn't really playing. Um, and, you know, as soon as you hear the, the name Luton Town, you know, you're jumping at it. Um you know, with with the history of the club, so it was it was an amazing time. I didn't actually know at that point that he'd signed two others. So I, I might have had a few more questions to ask if I knew that I was you know battling it out with two other you know really good young players. Um, but as soon as I got there, so it was a late drive up, uh, drive down, sorry, um, to Luton, straight to the Chilton Hotel, checked in, and, and that was when John and and Terry were in reception waiting for me, which was a nice surprise. Um, just to introduce themselves, um, you know, give me a bit of background as to what they were hoping to achieve. 
the players that they had in, why they wanted me to join. Um, I think we had Staines Town in a cup game really quickly after that. Might have been on the next day or a couple, couple of days after. Um, and I think he just threw us all in. Well, I remember playing next to Pelly in that game. Uh, and it was a case of, you know, who kind of does the best for play. Um, at Alfreton on the, the, the next game, whenever that was. Um and it was, yeah, it was just like kind of straight into it, a whirlwind, really. But as soon as I was there, I knew that we had a really special group because you're looking around and you're recognising players that you'd seen in league, um, players that shouldn't really have been playing at that level, really. Um, really established, EFL, good EFL players. So I knew we had a really good chance and I knew it could be a really good time for me. You was here for sort of a month, six weeks, maybe slightly more. Nine games in total, like you say, three in that trophy game, the two against Staines, and the following round. Who uh, my memory of who we played in that following round is uh, a bit scarce. Six in the league or in the conference, as it was. You got to play at Kenilworth Road. What was it like to play at Kenilworth Road as a home player? Oh, amazing, amazing! My, it was my first taste of it actually. I'd never been there before that, and not even as a as a fan or anything. I'd never actually been to the ground, so. Obviously, when you're turning up, it's like, where the hell is it, first of all? Um, and I remember just doing circles at the, the stadium thinking, you know, the postcode was sending me all over the place. I was going down the wrong way, down one-way streets. Um, people were pointing me around because I, I was trying to find it in the um, in the, in the night time. So I, was trying, I, I went to go and do something at the ground. I think it might have been to even sign the papers. Um and uh, yeah, but when, you know, on a match day, it's just incredible, and it's so unique. Um, the atmosphere is just something else, and it's probably the biggest asset for the football club, isn't it? Really, I think that has been a massive part of the rise. The atmosphere that you can generate inside that stadium is just—it's it's so hostile for those that turn up. And I remember John used to say quite often that you could win the game in the tunnel, um, and what he meant by that was. You know, you're standing there next to looking at the, the away players and you could almost see the fear in their eyes when you can hear the, the the noise outside. And in that season, a lot of those clubs were part-time, so they probably might have been at work all day. And then they're getting hit by this noise. It probably was a lot for them to take in. And, you know, within half an hour, we were probably two or three nil up because they were probably slow out the traps and we were fast. Um so it was, yeah, it's a huge, huge asset. And I think it, like I said, it's played a huge part in the rise. You've mentioned the gaffer, John Still. He was present at the club on Tuesday when they had a media day ahead of the playoff final. He's still very much in all of our thoughts. But from a player's perspective, how was he? What a guy. Yeah, amazing. It was almost like your granddad, to be honest. He was, uh, I don't know whether that was just a unique relationship that I had with him, but you know, he took me under his wing from from day one. Um, made me and my family really welcome. I remember him, you know, bringing my mum and dad in. He would often invite me into his office after games, and my mum and dad would be sat there having a drink with him. And it was just a really unique atmosphere that I never had anywhere else, um, or a relationship rather with a manager. And um, I think it's just his ability to. I said it in the, my uh, my article that I wrote, just to really break things down and make it extremely clear about what you should be doing um you know football can be complicated by coaches um who want you to do this this and that but John was really black and white it was I want you to win your headers I want you to you know when you get the ball I want you to pass it to him you knew exactly what you were doing when he stepped on that football pitch and for me as a young lad that was like wow this is 
opened my eyes up completely to another way to play the game. Um, it just stripped back all the, you know, the complications that you could have in a football match. And um, as a defender, it's, that's just the perfect way to, to operate. And yeah, like I said, away from the training ground, he was just a, a, a really nice guy as well. When you first met Pelly, what were your immediate impressions? Just super confident. Like he, he fitted in with the dressing room straight away. Whereas me, I probably took a little bit of time to, to you know, quiet, nervous lads, trying to trying to find my way in um, the dressing room and where I stood. But he was like straight in. Everybody loved him. Um, he's got that character that you you just it just attracts people. Um, so that was my initial impression. And then obviously when you step on the pitch with him, so powerful. Um, his ability to win the ball back quickly and and power away and, and run with the ball quickly. I think that's why he moved him into midfield because I think he was half the time he was getting the ball and running, you know, running down the way. <laughs> um, and there's me shouting for him to get back in. Um, but yeah, he's just he's just a, a bundle of energy both on and off the pitch. Um, yeah. And nothing's changed in that regard. He's very much still that bundle of energy. I don't know if you've seen it on the club's social media feeds, but John and Pelly were reunited at the media day on Tuesday. And there was a lovely moment when, uh, you know, they, they came together and you could clearly see the bond that they both still have. And uh, I'm guessing John would have that with all of you. But obviously, you know, with Pelly still here, if, it, if the story gets completed on Saturday, it'd be amazing for him. Yeah, and I think he, he's just developed so much since then. You know, he always had the physical attributes to, you know, he looked at him and thought he could do really well. Um, you know, he looks like a Premier League footballer, doesn't he? And um, he came from West Ham. And I think you've got to, you know, you've got to give him a lot of credit, you know, for dropping, taking that taking that um, hit to drop down. I think a lot of these Premier League Academy players are very proud, don't want to drop, you know, they'll say, oh, I don't want to play at that level, but... Pelly recognised that that was his best way of having a really good career in the game. And it was probably a bit of a gamble at the time. He might have had some other things that he could have gone on trial to other league clubs. But, you know, he, he stuck by the football club. He recognised that it was a good place for him to be. I think he was playing at the time. He was well-liked, um, you know, after his loan spell. So I think you have to give him credit for that. And, and, and since then, he's developed so much. You know, I, I remember playing against him again at Port Vale a few years later and he was just a different player again full of energy really hard to we tried to man mark him on the day and I remember um, the midfielder was just killed over he couldn't keep up with him um, because he was just running him all over the field and that Vale Park pitch is a big old pitch um, a bit like Wembley you know it's if you have that energy on those big pitches you've got half a chance because um, you, you end up running teams into the ground you do, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully he does that on Saturday. You've obviously followed the club since you left. That, that much was evident in the article that you wrote. And it's great that former players are still following us, uh, even to this day. What have you made of the rise since uh, since the conference days? Obviously, Nathan's come in, he's took it on a bit more, got us to the championship. Now Rob's picked it up again, probably kicked on again. Yeah. And here we are, 90 minutes away from Premier League football having been nine years ago you guys were battling it out for us in the conference incredible incredible and I think the big thing is that there's a real philosophy at the football club which I think Nathan kind of instilled and then Rob's taken it on to that next level as you just said um, 
I think Nathan did an incredible job, you know, um, obviously left and then came back uh, and continued that work. Um, obviously, to bounce back this year from the disappointment of last is also, again, very special. I think you have to tip your hat to Rob for bringing all of the qualities that he, he had at Forest Green. You know, he really nailed down a style of play. And I think you can kind of see that in what he's trying to do at Luton. You know, that fast, aggressive attacking football, not particularly dominating games in terms of possession, but um, winning the ball back really quickly and transitioning. And I think he's managed to, like I said, stick to his philosophies as a manager and he's managed to bring it into to Luton and had so much success doing that. Yeah, a lot of people are saying we're just a log ball team after the way we beat Sunderland in the semi-finals of the playoffs. But I'm more than happy for people to think that because they'll get found out if they do think that on the day. Um, yeah. Your thoughts on Saturday, the playoff final against Coventry? Obviously, there's nothing easy in a playoff final, but, you know, would you back the boys to do it? Absolutely. I think it's kind of written in the stars, isn't it? I know Coventry have had their kind of troubles as well. Um, I saw that statistic about, you know, in 2017-18, they played against each other in League Two. So it's a magical story from both sides, to be honest. Um, I'm obviously rooting for losing. I think they've got enough to do it. I think it would just be the, you know, the the icing on the cake um, to finish this magical rise. And I think that, like I said before, the, the, I've been to Wembley a couple of times, and that that pitch is a big old pitch. And if it's a hot day, I don't know what the forecast is like, but it can it can really sap you after a long season. And I think Luton have, you know, the way that they played in that second leg got so much energy. So much stamina, so much fight, so much desire. I think if you can show that on the day, I think you've got a great chance, you know, irrelevant of how you even play with the ball or anything like that. If, you, if those kind of foundations are in place on that big pitch, on that big occasion, you can manage the occasion, which is obviously massive. I think you've got a really good chance. And backed by 37,000 Luton fans who you know the noise that they can generate. It's, you know, the players are going to get certainly get the backing from the stand. Yeah, I think, you you know, the fans have got to try and take away the atmosphere that they generate at Kenny Road into Wembley. You know, it's not as confined, it's not as tight, but, you know, they're obviously going to turn up in, in masses and, um, you know, they're going to come with noise, as are Coventry. You know, it's just going to be a really amazing occasion, isn't it? And, you know, anything can happen on the day, but um, I think just, you know, the fans will go there, enjoy it make some noise and get behind the boys and, and hopefully that fairy tale can happen. And just to sort of round off this chat, then let's say that we do win on Saturday and I'm not preempting it and I'm trying my hardest not to, you know, get ahead of myself. But let's say we do and Luton are a Premier League club and you were one of the people involved in the start of the rise. What would it mean to you to have been involved from the beginning and now seeing where it is now? Yeah, look, I, I feel like I'm... Um, maybe taking some more plaudits than what, what I did. But I've only, you know, I only played nine games in that time, but it's it's still a, a proud thing to to say that I was part of that team and, and played a part in winning some games that led to the title. Um I think I'd just be more proud and pleased for the fans, you know, especially the ones that have stuck by that football club um through the dark days and there has been some of those and to, to have the chance to welcome the biggest and the best teams in the world 
to the stadium and, and travel away to those clubs after traveling to Do- your Dovers and your, you know, your Alphas and no disrespect to those, but um, it would just be an amazing reward for those that stuck by that club um, through those dark days. Certainly would, yeah. Um, moving on to yourself, obviously your playing career um, is behind you now. You're sort of helping others to succeed in uh, within the game or just coming out of the game. Just um, give me a little bit about what you're up to these days and um, where we can find you on social media and things like that to follow you. Yeah, sure. So first of all, my, um, my Twitter is Joe Davis six. Um, I yeah, I, well, my passion for helping other footballers try and set up businesses and um, you know try and just thrive in life after sport comes from you know my own experiences of there not being too much support after you finish playing, um, you know, and trying to have a plan ahead of that day that you do hang the boots up. Um, I know that you can get lost in the bubble of of just playing games and season after season that you kind of neglect what's next and what's after football, which is really important because there's so many, you know, frightening statistics really around bankruptcy and divorce and mental health. Um, So I have uh, a degree in kind of communications and media marketing. So I'm trying to use all of those skills to help current and ex-players kind of just set up their own businesses, get going with things, and hopefully just help them in that next stage of their lives. It's a great thing that you do. And hope that you can take time out on Saturday though to watch the big game and uh, enjoy it on the sofa with a beer or something. And fingers crossed, everyone connected to Luton is uh, celebrating come seven o'clock Saturday evening. We've spoken a lot about the media day. Let's get you some quotes from the media day. We won't include all of them because that's not fair on the journalists who were there who were doing some fantastic copy over the coming days or indeed the club itself who's organised that. But we'll we'll pick out some selective quotes. You've got, you're have got going to hear quotes from Gary Sweet, Mick Harford, John Still, Pelly Radicampanzu, Carlton Morris and Rob Edwards. Um, but we'll take we'll leave out questions like, what are you going to do because it's going to be a hot day and is your budget, <laughs> yeah. and is, and is your budget going to increase if you win on Saturday? We're not going to include those questions. But trust me, those questions were asked to Rob Edwards and I was sat there and I looked at Stu, the media guy at the club, and I'm like, someone's taking a piss here. Who have you let in to ask a question like that? But it, James, as true as I sit here right now, that was asked of him, was it not? Uh, yeah, but not by me, by the way, can I say? No, not by James. <laughs> Obviously, somebody from the Beano or the Dandy. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good job the seat had a back to it because if we were doing it in the enclosure, I was on the floor. So I just did not know what to do with myself when that got asked. But anyway, we're not going to include that in these quotes. But here are the main quotes from six huge individuals, some of which are going to be a part of Saturday, some of which not a part of Saturday, but have very much been a part in the lead up to it. Um, I'd be lying if I, it's all I think about at the moment so I can't say I'm not thinking about it because it, it takes up every part of my my headspace but um, 
when I'm around the lads and around at the club, it's just it's it's normal because that's fine. So we're just we're preparing for a football match. This is different, obviously, for me. You know, having days like this and there's more interest in the game. I understand why it's a big game. Um, but other than that, what what can I do? I'm looking forward to to a big game of football, and this is why I'm in it. This is why I'm in it, and you know. <laughs> I was lucky enough to be involved in one of these games as a player on the bench, you know, so I've, I've had the same view once before <laughs> from the side and, and uh, I enjoyed it that day. So hopefully I'm smiling again at the end of this one. I'm pleased that I've been involved in big games and in big stadiums and everything else. And our players have as well, a lot of them. There's quite a few of them that have been to Wembley and experienced these sorts of games. So, you know, it won't be a new experience for everyone. Um, but me stood in this seat, and or you know sat in this seat or stood on the touchline, that would be a new one for me. But a, but a, but a great one as well. Yeah. Stories are almost a football fairy tale in a sense. Does the game on Saturday feel like destiny or football in state? Mm. No, because I don't think it works like that. You know, I think whoever ends up winning, people can spin the story that way. I think with both these teams. So. Um, both can argue that they deserve it. Both can say they've been through tough times. In the end, only one can come out on top. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be whoever deserves it on the day. We talked to Pelly earlier on. You worked across the football spectrum, so you know what it takes to play in various divisions, both you know, physically and technically. But how fantastic an achievement would it be for a player to represent this club Every level from the National League right up to the Premier League, you know, pretty much without pausing for breath. You know, mm. it's, it's astonishing. It would be an astonishing achievement. It would be. You're right. If and it would be. Yeah, I need to stress that. It would be an incredible story. I know there's people that have gone from the National League and gone and done incredible things in the Premier League, but to do it with one club would be, yeah, it would be a great story. And um, if if we're able to do it, I. I there's not one person I'd be more happy for. He's, you know, he's such an important person around the place. Uh, incredible man, and um, yeah, he, he he deserves it. But that doesn't mean we're going to do it. It doesn't mean we're going to do it. We've got to go and make it happen. But it would be it'd be great for him. What is he like around the place? Well, you, you hear him before you see him. <laughs> And then you do see him quite often as well if he's in his purple suit or I don't know if you've seen the pictures of the, of the, um, the end of season dinner. Uh, he's just a brilliant guy. Whether we've won, lost, drawn, it's hot, it's cold, you know, miserable Monday morning or whatever. He's the same. He's the same. And you need people like that in football because, you know, it is a pretty unique sport, I don't know, business, whatever it is these days that we're in. Um, there's not much quite like it really and he you know he keeps you going you know he keeps you going and, and he drives you and like I said before this group of lads that they, they do drive themselves but he's such an important he's like the heartbeat of the group because he's been here for so long um, yeah brilliant guy really really honest so hard working and has just stepped up and stepped up and stepped up and you know to do one more level 
would be incredible. He's going to be in suits on Saturdays. He's going to have a chance to uh, express himself. Nah, I think he wanted to wear shorts. Um, he was on about wearing shorts. He's got great legs, hasn't he? He's got he's got big muscly legs. So, but now nah, I think we'll just we'll stick to our track suits and try and keep it pretty normal. No, <laughs> no. It's one of those things that if if someone had told you, told you a story of it or you saw it on the TV, that'd be fiction. You know, it can't happen that quick. Uh, but it's fact, and it has happened that quick. And that's due to the hard work of lots of people at this club. Seriously, the board of directors need unbelievable amount of credit to have had that vision that they had when they made 2020, I think, that when they made the club again. And to have, have done it that quick, it, it's not luck. That's unbelievable hard work, good decision-making by a, a, a group of people that have put this club uh, to the forefront of, of, of their lives. And um, they deserve every credit for that. There's interview that we expected, I think, where you said you played a small part process of getting to this stage and fans have seen that and said you actually played a much larger heart than you said so how, how do you see your role in, in the club being you know? well you know it, you know what I, I'm a funny sort of person I come here and done my job do you know and that's how I've always been I've come here and they wanted me to get them promotion from England I've done it so I feel like when I left here I felt like I've done my job yeah you know, someone else is going to pick the baton up and do the next bit, and they've got to do their job. And when I do hear, obviously, especially with you lads, and over the past few weeks, and, and before I was on holiday in some far away, I wasn't even at my own place in Cyprus. I was somewhere else. I can't remember in Portugal somewhere. And I, I went. In, I was in this bar, and there's only one other person in there. It was quite late at night, and I've been with someone, and I, I thought I'd have a quick one here before I just go back to where I was staying. And he looked over the bar and he went, I'm a Luton supporter. And he thought, well, yeah, there's no one else. And so I had another hour there with, with, with him. And uh, he, was, he was saying to me, it weren't for you, we wouldn't we be in Div 1. If you, it might have been Div 1 or something, Championship, I can't remember. And so I know I'm not stupid. I know I, pl- I played a part and maybe in, in my own sort of way... Um, gave them something that someone else has picked up on and picked up on and picked up on. So yeah, I know I've played a part, but you know, for me, I've 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 played a part that I was brought here to do. And listen, it's it's, it's not. I just, I'm happy to be part of an unbelievable story. So yeah. John, I think you signed Ali Rada I did. Yeah. Yeah. When you signed this boy from West Ham, West Ham. did you think yourself? Yeah, in ten years' time, you'll be a Premier League player, mate. <laughs> of course, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no. It'd be a remarkable achievement, wouldn't it, for him? In- incredible to complete the full. An incredible achievement. I, in my career, a lot of players I've I've always tried to sign what I call young, hungry players. He, I knew Pelly as a player at West Ham. I'm sort of a West Ham supporter, if you like. So I knew of Pelly. And I just thought we had great energy, 
was still trying to make a career himself, so we took him on loan. He done exceptionally well, so fortunately we was able to buy him. Uh, did I think that he would be playing in the Premier League for the same club in a short period of time? No, I, did, I didn't. Did I think he would progress his career? Yeah, I did. But when I think you talk about people playing in the lower leagues, playing in the Premier League, you're now talking about playing with and against the greatest respect, the best players in the world. It is. This is the the Premier League is the most elite league in the world now. And uh, so, no, I, I wouldn't have said that I thought he would do that. Um, and it's unbelievable credit to, to, to him that he's hopefully going to achieve that. He cost buttons, or, you know, in comparison speaking, buttons. Yeah. If, if, if you were the Luton manager today and somebody came in and said, name your price, what would you... What would you sell it for? Go on. Uh, 25, 30 million pounds. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, man, not a lot of people do it. Um, well... I think no one's done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I think it's the first. So yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been an achievement, man. Um, obviously, you got to have the staff and the managers and all the all the people at the stadium which believe in you, and I think they have done. So it's been uh, that's been great, and obviously you just got to put your performances and be confident in what you do and how you go about your your business. And I think I've achieved that. Obviously, as I said, there's one more ninety minutes, one more game to go, and uh, yeah. On by Saturday, 7 p.m., we drink some champagne. <laughs> is it the same place? Is this the same place, or has it changed in that journey? Um, obviously, staff come and go, but the rest of it is normally stay the same. Obviously, the fans have been great, and the stadium hasn't changed at all. So it's been the same then as it been now. But obviously, the fans have got real behind us, and they've had a real belief. And come in the thousands every single week, so in that respect, it's to say the same, yeah. Did you have any doubts, Alec, when John offered you the chance to come in? A long way down the ladder, I suppose, but you don't think. Doubts? No. Did I want to come here? Absolutely not. I was thinking, so, oh, no, this, <laughs> this, is, this is not what I'm familiar with, but sometimes you've got to take the risks, and obviously, I've got to thank John for signing me because look where I am now. So, um, yeah, it's been a it's been a risk, but it's been worth the risk, and and here we are, moments away from touching the Premier League, and it's been a it's been a good experience, and don't I want it to end well on Saturday. When you're on parade, um, with respect, Alfreton and Braintree and places like that, mm-hmm. did you ever think to yourself, it's like Del Boyd or Rodney, yeah, stick with me, bro. In ten years' time, you'll be playing at Wembley instead of um, playing for 180 million quid. Did, did you ever envisage yourself? Going back to that level from where, you know, after you leaving West Ham? Um, yes. In the fact of I knew my ability would get me there. Obviously, you've got to have a great team around you, support, and you can't, football's not a one man team. Well, if you've got people like Messi and Ronaldo, it's a bit different. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's in, when you've got belief, you know that you can rise back to the top. And um, Luton have done that in a short space of time. Ten years does seem like a long time, but in football, it can. It, that's a real quick rise. And, um, yeah, it, in 
to answer your question. Yeah, I did. So, Paddy, having been here 10 years now, does it feel like home? Uh, probably ingrained in what Luton is as a town as well as a club? Yeah, it's, it is now home because I've been there for so long, so I don't know really anything else. Um, obviously, Warren and West Ham's put me in the good stead to achieve this, but Luton is what I know, and I actually know the town, know the surrounding areas, and it's been a big part of my life. How has it been for you this week? It must feel a bit surreal knowing this, this is waiting at the end of the week, you know, such a big moment for you and the club and everybody. Uh, no, nah, you know, I've been chilled. I've been myself. Like, There's no need to get ne- to be nervous because we know what we can do on the pitch against Coventry. Um, we've gone about our days the same as we have the whole season, so nothing's really changed in that, spe- in that aspect. Um, we've still got two more sessions to go Thursday, Friday, go to the stadium Friday, see it and soak it in and then uh, perform on Saturday as best as we can that we know we can do it. Coventry, Coventry don't make it to the playoff final by a fluke. You know they're they're a really good team of, of the starting eleven, the eighteen man squad, the ones that come off the bench. You know they're a good side, but you know we've been we've been working hard. You know our prep towards it has started, and it it just goes back to what I was saying about soaking up information from the manager and the staff. You know they work so diligently. Uh, watch hours and hours of footage to you know find where we can use our advantages best and and then it's down to us players to soak up that information and execute the game plan. If we were to get to the Premier League, that's exactly what me and Eli do to teams. You know, we cause problems. We um, we ask questions and, you know, there's, there's there's a confidence of both of us, not an arrogance, but a confidence that, you know, if we both turn up on any given game day, you know, there's not many centre-backs that would enjoy the task of, of handling the pair of us. You know, the main thing I'd just say to a few of the boys is sort of like don't because it's easy to get into the mindset of you know I wish oh, I just wish the game was tomorrow you know because you know there's a lot of times where you're thinking about it, it sort of looms over you but I just say just enjoy it just enjoy all of it you know enjoy the build up enjoy especially the day of the game because you know it just all goes so fast and then it becomes a memory so quickly Uh, it's a good question, but uh, not really. You know, you, you, you're so far down the ladder. You've come back from such a roller coaster ride from the from the, the depths of despair, which it was. The club was in turmoil. Thirty points going in the national league took five years to get out of the national league. I mean, you look at Wrexham. I mean, they've took them. I'm not sure how many years it takes to get out of that league. But it's a real, real tough league to get out of. And as I said, John, John deserves a, a real a lot of plaudits for that. But no, you couldn't have ever imagined it. But as I've said, all the managers that have ever been in here have had massive support from the board in 2020. And whatever manager wants or he's asked for, he's been given and have been very, very supportive. Nathan came in after John Still did a great job, uh, got us out of League 2, into League 1, and we progressed into, into the Championship. Nathan left and came back, steadied the ship again. And... Uh, Obviously, Rob's taken over and done a brilliant, brilliant job. Mick, how good would it be to see Kenilworth Road back in the top flight, but in the Premier League? 
That's one of the most, I wouldn't say important things, but one of the most best things I'm looking forward to in terms of the likes of the the, the, uh, the teams coming down here. And I mean, some of them have never ever played in, in a stadium like this. And uh, as I said earlier, you know, you, you can get 10,300 in here, but it feels like 60,000, especially the other night, the way that the way the fans were. And I'm sure the fans will, will the fans and the stadia and the the actual atmosphere of the place would be very, very intimidating to Premier League teams if we make it. There's a massive story unfolding here for us if we do get if we do get promoted. And I think I think they should make a film out of it if we do get promoted. Yeah, yeah I think they should, yeah. And I think they will. And it'll, it's Luton's biggest game in their history in terms of where we are in the context of where we are at the moment, in my opinion. If you get into the promised land, we get we get we get a vast amount of money and we can build the stadium and that stadium will will secure our future for a long time. Who would play you? Sorry? Who would play you? <laughs> hey, hey, oh dear. <laughs> uh, who's got a broken nose and a dodgy knee, eh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> who would play me? It's got to be Brad Pitt, hasn't it? so for us this means everything you know it's it's uh it's a huge um, huge challenge. It's a huge task. It will be a huge accomplishment. We 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 don't we absolutely recognise the size and scale of it. Uh, we're more than happy to take it on. You know, we're more than happy to embrace it. We um, um, and we'll use every single ounce of what that can deliver for us to um, to enhance those engagements we've got and to, to try and change the face of Luton a little bit. You know, it's a good town. It's got a great beating heart and soul. People don't recognise that from the outside. Gary, I've never met anyone in football who doesn't think that the 30-point deduction you were dealt in 2009 was anything other than grotesque. Uh, would it be a sort of delicious karma, shall we say, if you managed to take the final step on Saturday? Because I think your fans will... Won't be slow to remind the FA and the football of what they did to what they did to the fans here 15 years ago. No, it won't be forgotten, and uh, by me, and certainly not by the supporters. And I'm sure there's a couple of banners being prepared for Saturday. And you know what? I, I don't think there are many in the FA and Football League now that, that think anything other than the fact that it was grotesque. I, I'm really good friends with both or, or the organisations. Friends probably isn't. I'm, I'm, I think it's a very amicable relationship today. Um, but you are dead right. It was grotesque what happened. Um, they tried to make an example of a football club. They they picked the wrong one, or picked the right one. You know, maybe they knew that we would we would actually have the gusto we did and the courage we did to come back in the way we have because it's a good story from that point of view from their point of view isn't it you know it, it actually in some ways it actually says that you should give clubs a, a big points deduction because if, if they behave like Luton Town afterwards then, then why not Right there, gents. Mm. Not getting away with it without uh, 
without the big one. Um, James, the next time we record a podcast, the Luton Town Premier League Club. Yep. That'll do. Is that it? Do you want to that? <laughs> that, that? That'll do. I suppose if you ask a, a, a closed-ended question, you'll get a closed-ended answer. Um, <laughs> prediction for the game? One one nil. Tom Lockyer to score it. Tom Lockyer, three goals in his last four games. Seems to have become a centre forward since he won that play. Uh, since he got in that team of the season, didn't he? I mean, he well, cannot yeah. stop scoring the boy. And uh, he keeps saying that ever since Marv's come in, he's had nothing to do, so he better learn, better start scoring. He said that to me as well. I just <laughs> love the humour of the, of the guy. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, and I know that his parents are there, and they're going to be really, really proud watching him on them. Um, Can I just say? So, be grand if he scores and, yeah, then, and then if he does that somebody just uh, when he's lifting the trophy someone just put a contract in front of him with a pen getting a sign now yeah. and I mean yeah, Tom's a good one. as long can as I he passes the said contract down to Marvellous who somewhere yeah. in the line you can sign your one as well yeah Dad, i just say before, before the um, before the awards are handed out I was sat next to Tom and he was looking at the awards and I said which one have you got your eye on he says young player of the year and he really miffed that he didn't get it <laughs> really miffed he, he asked what the age limit was and he, he, he felt short it should have been 30 so yeah. <laughs> I think that was a good a, night Dan wasn't it I think he had a full enough uh, trophy cabinet didn't he and I also like the yeah. fact that um, Carlton Morris said that he was glad he didn't vote for Tom Lockyer as player's player of the season otherwise he wouldn't have got a share of it and yeah uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was particularly good as it just kind of shows the camaraderie within the dressing room that they can have that sort of banter and it's it's fantastic Tony Luton have won twice at Wembley in our history and they've been 3-2 on both occasions is that the scoreline on Saturday? I don't think so Kev um, I'll, I'll go yes along with James as Luton will be a Premier League club but I will think I think it will probably be 1-0 Um and I, I said go, as well, Kev. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for Carlton Morris to score. Carlton Morris is the scorer of the goal. Well, that would be fitting as well, wouldn't it? The first guy yeah. in 40 years to score 22nd-tier goals in a Luton shirt. It would be fantastic if goal number 21 comes at the home of football, particularly as he alluded to the fact that his last playoff final could not have ended any worse when he played for Shrewsbury and left the pitch injured. Dan, mm. uh well, that's two votes for Luton. So are we going to be a Premier League podcast next season? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've whispered it very quietly around here um, for obvious reasons. Um, and anybody that's asked me, like they've all said I can't call it. I said, yeah, I can't call it either. But secretly, I'm like, no, Luton are going to win. You're not going to be crying. They're going to win by... I've written here 3-2, but I don't yeah, think it'll, I don't think it'll be that many goals. Lines. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I've I've gone with the eight, the eighty eight and the uh, two thousand nine score, but I, I don't. I actually don't think it will be that. Now thinking about it, it'll probably be something like two one or or one nils. The other boys have said, but and I've the winning goal scorer. Well, I've written Lockyer and Morris to score, but I'm saying Pelly. Pelly's going to score overhead he, kick he, goal. From you the should have him line. in the press box with you on Saturday, <laughs> mate. He's he's got all these stories written for you. <laughs> no, before you ask I will answer the question because I know how you don't like me to get away from me yes we will be a Premier League club come 8 o'clock on Saturday evening and we will win 2-0 and I am also firmly of the belief that there's a Pelirad and Panzu goal in there it's uh, 
think they call it fate, don't they? And um, well, I mean, if Pelly scores the winner, you ain't got to write a story for two more months, have you? Really, James? They're all written for you. Yeah, I mean, somebody gets sculpted his statue now because he needs one at Paraglot. Yeah, he absolutely does. Yeah, absolute legend of a guy, and. Uh, yeah, as long as we win, it's gonna, he's he's going to be a, a fantastic story. Whoever it is, scores winning gods. If you have a ticket for Saturday, and there's thirty six and a half thousand of you who do, have a wonderful day at Wembley. It's a fantastic occasion. It will be a great occasion. It will be brilliant for everyone who's there. It'll be brilliant for the whole town. The players are going to do us justice. They're going to give it everything that they've got. And we've got to do the same in return. We do. Yeah. We, we 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 do. We're we loud and proud. Noise. We need to bring that energy that we had uh, at Kenilworth Road last Tuesday. And if we do that, and the players respond to that, then it don't matter if Wembley pitch is the size of Pope's Meadow. We still are not going to get beaten. Um, <laughs> so enjoy the day. Have a fantastic day out. Keep your eyes peeled because there are plans for a parade should Saturday go the right way but it will be short notice. So do keep your eyes out on all of the social media feeds. And we will return for our final podcast of the season, either next week or the week after, depending on how our hangovers are and indeed our mood is, depending on how Saturday goes and things. If there is a parade, myself and James will be on hand to get all of the reaction. We'll include that in the next podcast. It will be our season review podcast. And then hopefully we are gearing up for season seven of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast as a Premier League club. Come on, you hatters. Have a great day, everyone, and enjoy it.